Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network, a station dedicated to the concept that all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Join Reverend Terry Power HP, Robin McKean, and all the hosts for programming covering a wide range of spiritual topics right here on Blog Talk Radio. chair 
that from the moment it arrived, the cats decided it was a scratching post. So I've given up trying to repair it. It has the stuffing coming out of it. It's like, okay, it was a cheap chair to begin with. I got it on a half-price sale. It was always more decorative than functional. If there's one piece of furniture they're going to destroy, let it be that one. But a few years ago, I was having a dinner with a friend. And, in fact, she just walked me home. I, I was reading cards at a bistro in the neighborhood, and she came for a reading. And right in the middle of dinner, my boy cat jumped on this chair and started scratching away. Well, I thought this was rude. So I looked at him, and I said, Mika, is that chair a scratching post? He looked at me, and he telepathically said, it is now, Mom. Wow. Well, Mika, I can't argue, I, I can't <laughs> argue with that. No, but, no, you can't. You can't argue with cats in general, as you well know. So out of respect for my guest, I repeated what I'd heard. Well, she flipped out because she'd heard him say it too, but she thought she was making it up. I'm like, no, that's what he said. Because I'd taken her to the Brooklyn Botanic Gardens where we'd established that she's a plant telepath, but apparently she's an animal telepath too because we both heard him say it. She was The look on her face when I said that, she's like, I, I thought I was making it up. I'm like, no, no, that's what he said. It is now, Mom. Can't argue with that, Mika. Oh, wow, yeah. that's and, and another time, my girl cat, his sister, because I have brother and sister, littermates, she oh. jumped up. I'm sitting on the couch reading. She jumped in my lap, and I went to pet her, and she didn't feel like being petted, and she was fussing back and forth. And I said to her, Kiki, I love you. I respect you. I want to give you what you want, but I don't know what you want. Before I had the words out, she said, I want to control you. Well, what kind of an answer did I think I was going to get to asking a cat that question? Of course uh-huh. she went. She's a cat. That's what they do. They want to, I mean, when she's sitting in my lap purring and I'm, I'm stroking her and I say, Kiki, you own me. She purrs louder. Oh, yeah. They understand every word we say. Oh, I, I certainly I, believe that. I really do. And I've had experiences, not, not quite um, as deep as yours, but that it was just, I, I knew that there's communication going on and it was just wonderful. So you're, you're identifying something. I think a lot of people, if they let themselves can can have that kind of amazing experience, but you have to have that door open for that, don't you think? Well, absolutely, and people are socialized not to believe it because I, I I used to live with a man who had grown up on a farm, so he was convinced that he knew more about animals than anyone. And my last male cat, Andre, jumped up on the counter. Oh, oh, and my ex used to insisted that the cat couldn't understand what I was saying. He was responding to my tone. Well, I proved him wrong because one day Andre jumped up on the kitchen counter and I looked at him and I said, Andre, please get off the counter. He looked at me and said, screw you, Mom. I'm like, okay, get <laughs> that counter. Screw you, Whoa. Mom. Andre, do you want the water pistol? He got a horrified look on his face and said, I was just leaving and jumped down immediately. Now, he was not <laughs> responding to the t- he was responding to a credible threat of getting his tush shot with the water pistol. I mean, they yeah. know. And, yeah. and the man I was living with was astonished because he was absolutely convinced that they don't understand the words. Of course they understand the words. Because, oh. you know, it wasn't the tone of my voice. It was like, do you want the water pistol? I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting out of here. <laughs> oh, that's a great story. Now, now take us from there to other major experiences as you were growing up. Were they constant or did it happen every so often? Well, from the time I was in first grade, I could predict with 100% certainty coming home on the school bus from elementary school within three mailboxes of my parents' mailbox, I would know if there was a letter in the mail for me. And I was always, I mean, I had a 100% hit rate on that. And I was, it was always, 
I had to be within three mailboxes when I got the hit. So when I started to get close, you know, just a few houses away, I could feel that the presence of, of an envelope. When I was eight years old, I had my first astral projection experience, although I didn't understand at the time what it was. Um, there was a, a, a new family in town. They moved in the middle of the school year. And... Uh, the girl's birthday was in April, so since she didn't know anyone, she invited all the girls in our second grade class, which I thought was very sweet. And the mm-hmm. night before this party, I had what at the time I thought was a dream, where I went to the family's house, and I saw the entire first floor. I saw every knickknack. I saw every piece of furniture. saw every picture on the wall. And no one could have told me what this house looked like because none of the other girls in the class had never been to the house either because, you know, they'd only been in, just moved to town in the middle of the year. So I went to the party, and I was stunned that I had been in that house. I had seen everything correctly, and it was at that moment that I knew that reality was not what everyone else believed it to be. And I also knew that there were other people like me that I would be able to talk to later. I knew I couldn't tell anyone about my experience because they would either think I was lying or that I was crazy. And in fact, um, when I was 19, I was uh, seeing a psychiatrist, and it's very hard for the therapy community to, uh, to accept psychics. They, they don't get it. I mean, and this, this psychiatrist told me, and he never should have said this to any psychic. He said that... Um, some of his most disturbed patients were his most were their most psychic. He at least accepted that psychic phenomena oh, existed. Oh my! What head... a thing to say! Oh wow! <laughs> I don't blame you for being a little upset about that statement. A shrinks are very irresponsible. In my mid thirties, I was seeing a therapist. She wasn't a, a psychiatrist; she was a psychologist. And I explained to her that I had a psychic premonition that I was about to lose my job. Well, she thought psychic stuff was bullshit. So she said, oh, can I say that on the radio? So she said, oh, you're just having an anxiety attack. And I said, no, Mary, I've been psychic all my life. I know the difference between a psychic premonition and an anxiety attack. So the following week I came for my session. She said, did you lose your job? I said, no, but I'm about to. She said, oh, it's just an anxiety attack. The next week she said, did you lose your job? I said, yes. She freaked out. She said, okay, now (laughs) I get it, being is one of your issues. Ah, yeah, think. I mean, and it, it runs in my family, but my parents were really in denial of their gifts. I remember being seven years old, and my mother got up in the middle of dinner and said, i got to call my parents, and she found out that her father had just been rushed to the hospital. But yet, you know, they they denied it. They It was just um, my father's a physician, and uh, he practiced pediatrics for 19 years, and then he switched to emergency room medicine and then went on to other things. But when he was working in the emergency room, I was in high school. I wanted to come with him for a shift and see what went on because I was thinking maybe I wanted to become a doctor. And I, on the way home, I said to him, Dad, you know, you're diagnosing psychically. He said, why do you say that? I said, because you're diagnosing way too quickly to be using differential diagnosis. He said, well, you know, you get a feel. I said, Dad, you're doing things that doctors who've been practicing twice as long as you have can't do. He said, well, maybe. But, I mean, I, I saw it. I saw how quickly he was diagnosing. And you can't tell me he was stopping and in his head doing differential diagnosis and analyzing everything. He mm-hmm. just knew. Because there, well, there are many different, many different... 
Go ahead. I'm sorry. That there are many different forms of perception, and um, some people are only clairvoyant or only clairaudient, where they hear things. If clairvoyance, you see things, or only clairsentient, where you know things. I mean, I, I get information in multiple ways. Sometimes I see things. Sometimes I hear things. Sometimes I just know things. You're and just there's no know. way to explain. And, and here's the question I had for you is that, Marcy, do you think that most people, if they cultivated this, could develop this ability? Or, or is it only some people? And is there any answer to that question? I don't know if there is. Well, I mean, just as some people are born with more natural verbal ability or more natural athletic ability or more natural mathematical ability, um, I, it has to do how much talent you have in any given life has to do with soul memory, I think, you know, and, and one of the ways you can see that is an astrology chart. It's very clear where, and also a palm will show whether someone is psychically gifted. I think people can improve their intuition through meditation and really learning to listen to their soul's voice. But as I said, you know, some people are natural athletes and some people can practice and practice and practice and they'll never be that good. Same thing with musicians. I mean, I, I know musicians who work harder than anyone imaginable, and yet they just don't have, you know, they can develop the technique, but they don't have that gift of how to shape the phrases musically. So I, mm -hmm. I think the answer to your question is that, that I think people can improve what they're born with, but to develop it um, to the extent that natural-born psychics have, it, it's unlikely, it, you know. You, I think the more you cultivate it from lifetime to lifetime, the more you have it. I mean, I, I know I've been a shaman in multiple lifetimes. I've been a healer in multiple lifetimes. That's, I mean, I come from a medical family. There was, uh, and my parents are atheists, so there was nothing in my background or upbringing to allow for a belief in any sort of divine being, much less any sort of faith healing. So imagine my surprise at the age of 23. I'm at a party. And uh, one of my friends was complaining she had a headache. And I said, oh, I can get rid of that. And I just jumped up, you know, because my soul remembered. And I put my hands over her, and I started talking to her in a soothing voice. And I told her to imagine the pain in her head being the size of a grapefruit and then shrinking the pain down to the size of an orange and then shrinking it down to the size of a lemon and then shrinking it down to the size of a walnut and then shrinking it down to the size of a cherry and then getting rid of it completely. And within two or three minutes of talking to her, her headache went away completely. I mean, nobody taught me that. My, I just spontaneously remembered. Would intuition be also part of this? Well, it is intuition. That's what it is. Yeah, that's you know, true. You're right. It is intuition. That's, uh, you're, you're going with that, and you're, you're, you're tapping on that, and um, – you're therefore making decisions based on what we call a gut feeling. That's another word for it. But, yeah, I can understand that. And but that's it, wonderful that you can do that and that you're open to that. Um, you talked about your first astral projection experience at the age of eight. Could you just give us a little bit of that? Well, that's what I, I already did, that, that oh, I went to this. you talking about. Okay, I didn't realize that. I went to this person's house. In my astral body, before I was visited the night before. Oh, oh, I see you're saying yes, yes, yes. Okay, and that's. But it was a it, dream. Actually, astral yeah. projected there, and and again, as far as how can people develop? I mean, 
people have different gifts, you know. I mean, I can look in a crystal ball for hours and I won't see a thing. I know people who can look in a crystal ball and see movies. Scrying is not one of my gifts. It's, it is the gift of other people. I've tried to develop it. I can't. But, I, you know, you can learn to read palms. That's it. I mean, there are computers that can read palms. Um, for me, I know the basics of palmistry, and then the rest I just pick up psychically. And anybody can learn to read tarot cards, you know, from the standard meanings, but then there's another level that you pick up psychically because human beings are always communicating on a conscious level and on a subconscious level. And what the cards do are basically a way for the subconscious of the reader to pick up on the subconscious of the querent. So certain symbols or images on the cards might be more salient at different times depending on the community. And they've done, they did studies back, I think it was in the 80s, at Tufts, where they just they took video because they were just starting to get the consumer electronics video technology. And they did videos of people coming in and having business meetings. And then they slowed them down very, very, very slowly. And it's mind-boggling. What they showed is that people make these very subtle mirroring movements. You know, they're dotting their heads at the same time. They're, you know, they're just people, we're not aware that we're doing it. But our subconscious is aware because our subconscious is more powerful than our conscious in many ways. Our subconscious is all over the body. But it's, it's fascinating. I don't know if you could, if they, these films are online, but I remember seeing them uh, back in the 80s and my jaw dropped when I saw these things. We're always communicating on a conscious level and on a subconscious level, whether we realize it or not. That's so interesting. Um, that's a whole area that I don't know that much about, but uh, I want to investigate that myself. That's, that's, that's really quite something. Um, I know that I, sometimes when I walk, in the, uh, walk around in the street, and sometimes I get, not always, but occasionally, I get this amazing vibe that the person's going past me is is such a wonderful, giving, loving person, and I just get that. And there's other times, and this has been also happening, that I get a vibe of a person being not only unhappy but dangerously so, so, so uh, unhappy, depressed, and in some cases a really bad a bad person, nasty or or worse. And I and it's a very strong gut feeling that goes on and this does happen once in a while and I, I, I bet other people can can get that too uh, have had that experience uh, I'm sure that you have, uh, would I be correct? Absolutely because energy is magnetic and you can you can feel what people are the kind of energy that people are throwing out have you ever heard the expression don't date anyone your dog or your cat doesn't like? Because <laughs> animals are sensitive to energy and uh, um, i tell you a funny story. A friend of mine from college, she used to have this great cat named Zach, this gray cat. He just had a great personality. And she was dating someone that Zach didn't like. And he would say, but I left you a message on your answering machine. And she said, but I didn't get any message. She came home one day and caught the cat in the act of deleting this man's message. He didn't delete no. any other messages. But whenever oh this man called, Zach the cat would delete the message. So she's like, okay, 
that I, was, I shouldn't that be dating this. Oh my god, that is that is a wild story. That is incredible. That really is. So she broke up with him, and then she met this astrophysicist that she's been very ma- happily married to for years. But yeah, it was the cat who was like, "No, I don't like this guy. This guy's not good." Was the cat the best man at the wedding? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He was cat. He, that cat could be entertained for hours with a piece of string. He was a great, great boy. Animals are amazing. Um, I know you know this too. That uh, I've always had this. There's something special about squirrels. Uh, every time, even when I was a kid, and go to the park and uh, feed the squirrels, and there was something about a squirrel that was incredibly smart, and witty, and fun. And I, I still maintain that that's that's the, the feeling I get every single time uh, that I've been around that animal. It's just it's something special about a squirrel. They're extremely smart. Did you see that special, that PBS Nature special about squirrels that I The one you flagged for me, and I want to thank you for that. That was an amazing, uh, uh, amazing uh, special, and it went deep into the, the, the squirrel world. And, oh, my goodness, it was amazing. I, I knew some of it, but some of that was brand new to me. And, uh, but nothing was um, a big surprise because squirrels, there's something about a squirrel that is absolutely amazing, and they're athletic, and they they sense uh, on such a level about the humans around them and what they can do if they have if they if there's going to be food involved. They actually can even perform. They can look in your eye and say, "I'm ready. Give me that. Give me that nut." <laughs> it's just wild, and so that's one of those animals that I have an affinity for. Oh, yeah, they're, and that show talked about how intelligent they were. I used to do comedy about them. You know, as I, I went to um, law school in, in Camden, New Jersey, and I'd uh-huh. eat my lunch on a bench sometimes, and a squirrel would come over, say, you know, if, especially if I were eating peanut butter. You know, they love peanut butter. Oh, give yeah. The, give me a piece of the sandwich, you know. It's <laughs> like, um, like, hey, no, I'm, not, I'm an urban woman. You know, you're not, you're not gonna, you got to work for it. And they stand up on their hind legs, look cute. Okay, can you have a piece of the sandwich? You know, and I, the, those were the Camden squirrels. That, you know, they had black leather jackets and switchblades. You know, give me the sandwich. <laughs> it's, it's, they're really, they're really something to deal with, and uh, I, I, I certainly love that animal. A lot, a lot of others too, but that particular one has always had a very special place in my heart, and always will. There's something about them. Um, and you're right, though, they're so intuitive, and they will get your attention, and they know how to be, I would say the word cute, but just appealing, and if there's anything in your pockets, they want it, and they'll they'll yeah. be there until you uh, forfeit it over. <laughs> they're attracted to bright, shiny objects. A couple of years ago, it's early Sunday morning, I think it's like 6.30 in the morning, and there's this loud scratching in my room, and I, and I open my eyes, and there's a squirrel in my room, because oh, I... Wow. I I hate air conditioning. I love the breeze. I had the window open. They can climb straight up the side of the building. And, and I was uh, that summer, and that explained why the strawberries and the cherry tomatoes I was growing on the roof were disappearing right before they got ripe. You know, I would look I at those. I wonder oh, those who be- could have done that. Huh? I wonder who it could have been. I guess and we I know. I my neighbors, you been, uh, have you been noticing that your strawberries are missing? And they're like, yeah, I said, it's the squirrels. They're like, what? Yeah, they can climb right up the top of the building. <laughs> Oh, that's great. That is great. That, so that that's, again, another one of those animals that are real, they're just, just special. Now take us more into your um, next level of uh, consciousness about 
the fact that you're developing your skills and, and what, what is there any particular events or people that that from that point that that affected in you in high school oh. high school i knew who the other psychics were they knew who i was because you know psychics can just, as just as serial killers can recognize one another on the subway you know psychics can recognize one another it's not always immediately clear how someone's using their gifts, you know, are they coming from the dark side of the force or the light side of the force? Many indigenous cultures have a saying, when sorcerers meet, they always circle each other, you know, until you figure out, you know, is this a good a, a good sorcerer or a bad sorcerer? But it was the 70s. We had to speak about these things in hushed tones because, and you know, it was a taboo subject. It wasn't until the 90s when there were all these television psychics and, you know, psychic friends networks that all of a sudden, it was okay to be out of the closet as a psychic, but mm-hmm. um, so I was aware. You know, we, my friends and I would whisper about our experiences and our synchronicities. And in college, I had a, a boyfriend who was extremely psychic, and we would do these weird exercises. And so I was just sort of paying attention to it. And then um, when I was in law school, one of my friends taught me to read tarot cards, and that set me on this odyssey. And then by my early 30s I'd moved to New York and I would go to various channeling sessions and I was at one session where the spirit said you're a medium you need to start <laughs> you need to start taking responsibility for it and um I think it was uh, I think in my early 30s I was experimenting with automatic writing oh. and I got a mess got a message said you were being called and I said called to what and it said the way of the shaman. I'm like, yeah, right. I'm going to start shape-shifting into animals. I thought it was nonsense. But then, of course, my life unfolded that I realized that I am a shaman. I have been a shaman in many lifetimes. And I do have certain healing gifts. I was reflecting today on a very funny story. An um, artist friend of mine was going out of town. She's going to go to Europe. But she said, listen, I've I got to go to the salon today. I'm going to be there for a few hours getting my hair dyed. Come by the salon. You'll love the woman who owns the salon. There are no chemicals. It's all in. The, the, the owner of the salon has the title Hair Slayer on her card. Right? So <laughs> I, I went over to the salon, met the woman, and the woman's you know, the, standing there working on my friend, and she mentioned that she was having severe menstrual pain. I said, oh, I can help you with that. I just popped up, put my hands in her aura, and immediately removed the pain. And she screamed. She's like, what the fuck just happened? How did you do that? Whoa. Said, it's just a knack. But it's it's not. No. I mean, it's, <laughs> That's a great answer. <laughs> it's energy. The human body is, you know, we're we're energy transmitters. We're an electrochemical nervous system. And True. it's been known by the Western world since the 1840s that electricity and magnetism remove pain. Well, if you hook me or any other spiritual medium up to a galvanic skin response machine, otherwise known as a lie detector, we'll flatline it because a GSR machine is measuring resistance to electromagnetic energy. And a medium is a person who has zero resistance to electromagnetic energy because spirits exist as electromagnetic energy. That's why every ghost hunting show on TV, there's someone with a little device measuring for the presence of electromagnetic energy to see if there's a spirit there. So um, a spiritual medium can communicate with the spirit by taking the spirit into their body. A healer is a spiritual medium who knows how to take that 
energy and redirect it for healing. So when there's energy coming off my hands or I put my energy in someone's aura, and when when I do a healing like that, my hands are hot when I get finished because of the energy. Yeah. When you talk about aura, I'd like to go into that, uh, Marcy, briefly with you because that's such an interesting uh, subject that an aura has different colors. And could you tell us a little bit about that and, like, what the colors mean and so forth? Well, it's uh, it's an energy field. Uh, for years, we're painting people with auras because artists could see them. And scientists, of course, you know, if we can't see it, we don't think it exists. It wasn't until the 20th century when a Russian man named Dr. Kirlian developed a technique for photographing the human aura. And um, the colors do indicate things about personality. They also indicate things about health. So, for example, when I was in college one day, I remember going up to a teacher afterwards. I said, are you feeling okay? He said, "What, what are you talking about? I said, your aura is normally a really healthy blue. Your aura is gray today are you sick and he was he was coming down with something but i could see it um my ex brian and i we used to have a band together and we had a a regular weekly gig we had a residency at a club in chelsea once a week and one of our regulars this guy was a real character um his business card said philosopher (laughs) he was was a total total (laughs) character Uh, elderly man um Brilliant poet, songwriter, had been in and out of mental institutions for no other reason than the fact that he was sensitive and brilliant, but that's another story. He was not crazy. And Brian was also very psychically sensitive, and we took one look at him, and we could see his aura was black. and black. Which meant he was Black, which meant he was going to die within a day or two. So we oh, basically boy. said... So we, we basically said goodbye to him. We said, Bill, you're on your way out, aren't you? And he's like, yeah, because he knew. And, I mean... You know, he, this man got arrested in New York City for walking up to a woman and wishing her a happy Feast of the Assumption Day. I mean, this is how crazy the, wow. the society is. This man was not nuts. But Brian and I took one look at him, and we knew he was within 24 to 48 hours of death because his aura was black. But um, very often doctors and nurses and healers will have a green aura because green is the heart chakra. Um, I once heard... Um, Trying to think of his name, but a very famous poet uh, saw him at college, and his aura was yellow, which uh, is a sign of wisdom. Mm. An orange aura can be a sign of great creativity, and people can have multiple colors in their aura. Uh, I remember when I was in college, I was home on vacation. I was getting together with one of my friends from whom I'd known since elementary school. And she told me how she'd had an aura reading in New Mexico, and I looked at her aura. I said, oh, yeah, your aura is, is blue, and it goes like this, and then there's this yellow band in the middle of it that Molly described it. She, 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 her jaw dropped. She said, that's what this woman said. I said, yeah, yeah, I can oh. Wow. And, and does an aura go around the entire body, or is it just in the uh, upper part of the body? No, oh, it, it covers the entire body, and it can change. It can be um, – Sometimes only visible around parts of the body. Sometimes it's very close to the body. Sometimes it can expand hmm. for for miles. Um, you know, some people have a white aura, and and people's auras can change. As I said, you know, my you know I'd be sitting there being bored in my class and looking at my teacher's aura. And it was a healthy blue, and one day it was gray. <laughs> so I wanted to know if he was feeling sick. 
Wow, that's that's is this ever used? I, I I think I know the answer, but I want to ask you anyways. Is this used ever in major hospitals for medical purposes or for research? Well, not officially, but I can tell you that I've been in hospitals where there were healers working as orderlies and and nurses and uh, oh yeah, um, I I had um, slipped on some black ice, I'd broken a bone, I was in the emergency several years ago. I was in the emergency room at uh, Kings County, and I needed to be trans. I needed to be admitted, so I needed to be transported upstairs, and this Panamanian nurse, he walked by me, and he could see immediately that I was a healer, and so he stopped to talk to me. He was a healer, too, and he did a healing. I said, I'm about to be transported, and, you know, I have I'm overdue for medication. It's going to take a while to take effect. He did a healing on me. So then they shot me full of morphine, and these four women went to transport me, and one of the nurses who was transported, maybe she was an EMT or whatever, one of the women... She had also broken a bone a few years earlier, so she knew exactly how painful it was to be transported with a, with a bone break when the uh, anesthesia hadn't taken effect. And I was fine. And she didn't know what was going on. She said, you should be screaming. I said, well, this Panamanian nurse just did spiritual healing on me. In fact, it was funny because well, then I had to go into a rehab facility. I was two weeks in the hospital after my surgery, and then I was in a rehab facility recovering from my broken bones and one of the night nurses was a caribbean lady who loved to come in and talk to me about alternative healing <laughs> we would have these long discussions about alter- i had a mammogram the other day and it's the same thing a caribbean lady and we were talking about alternative healing and why she should get off her blood pressure medication and use hawthorn berry and oh my god it's amazing I'm sorry I have to interrupt. Um, we're nearing the end of our journey together tonight. It's a new format, uh, and I'd love for you to share your contact information so that people can uh, uh, follow the thread to there. And uh, you were so entertaining. I'd love to have you back soon. Well, thank you so much. I think that people can, if they want to contact me, they can contact Nick. And he'll, and sure. uh, Nick and can I put me in touch. I'll pass it on to you. Absolutely. Uh, my email is N-I-C-K-N-Y-N-Y, the figure one, at gmail.com. So that's Nick, N-Y-N-Y, the figure one, at gmail.com. And I'd be happy to uh, accept any uh, emails and pass them on to Marcy. And Marcy, again, my, my, my deep thanks for, for doing my show. And, and certainly, I want you back. <laughs> You're amazing. You really are. And I just, I love I love how you're, you're, you're putting in touch with me and others uh, out there and in, uh, in listening of, of what's going on on such a level. And it's a, it's a, it's a brilliant and awesome, awesome territory. And, and you've been very clear about what, what, how it works and, and your experiences. And I just thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for having me. And you and Hal have to come over for lasagna again sometime soon. Oh, we, we would accept that in a, in a, in a New York second. <laughs> and thanks to you, Hercules. Oh, my pleasure. I learned a lot from listening to you, and you're an excellent storyteller. You're very comfortable with who you are and with your gift, and that that's awesome. Is there enough time to talk about just the um, the DNNY uh, email uh, address of the website? You have around two minutes. Yes. 
Okay, so so Disclosure Network New York again uh, does uh, very uh, deeply go into paranormal phenomenon, uh, ET contact, uh, and, and all that goes with it, and all connecting the dots of like who's behind the curtain, what's really going on, uh, who's doing what, and how far have we gone on very very deep uh, uh, areas of research and also development and. It's, it's absolutely surprising what we don't know, and it's deliberate that we don't know what's really going on uh, as we speak. And so we really get into that. It's an amazing group of deep researchers. And if you're interested in that, you can go to our website, and that is uh, www.dnny.info. So that means Disclosure Network New York. So instead of writing that out, just dnny.info, and you can find out our next meeting and uh, other things that are on that website. Also, we've recorded our, our sessions, including Marcy, who recently did an amazing uh, talk for our group, and that's been recorded, and that's on our website as well as YouTube. So I just wanted to let your, the listeners know that there's ways of accessing uh, these amazing people and uh, brilliant, brilliant researchers. So just wanted to let them know that. Thanks again, Nick, and thanks again, Marcy. Uh, I wish you joyous journeys and amazing adventures, and I look forward to talking to both of you soon. Love to all. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And now we're going to listen to Bone Poets Orchestra's Evolve, and then we will be back with our next segment.
such a great time uh, conversing off the air that I'm looking forward to continuing the conversation. Uh, I must let you know that our mutual friend, Nick Curdo uh, is here mm-hmm. listening as well. Okay. Hi, Nick. Um, <laughs> he's, he's, the, he's in the silent room. So uh, um, now you and I appear in a book together. Our stories do anyway. Uh, the space brothers speak transmissions from the solar council and uh, this is another fine uh, publication from Tim Beckley, Tim Schwartz, Sean Castile, and the folks at Interlight Global Communications. Uh, and uh, it's awesome uh, that we connected that way, and it, it turns out that we know uh, people in common. And tonight after the show, you're proceeding to post to post in a few hours. That is awesome. Yes, about 1 o'clock or 1 a.m. to 3 a.m. I, I think so, it's W-O-R, but I'm not sure. I posted the link that you provided so that folks can uh, follow you there if they choose to. 
Thank now, you very much. Thank you. How did you first hear from Ashtar? How did you first connect uh, with his uh, space command? And what is your intergalactic mission? Hmm, that's a good one. Let's see. Um, I've known Ashtar uh, for, let's say, millions of years as a, my oversoul. And you know, mm-hmm. we all have an oversoul, just in case people didn't know. The oversoul is the total aspect of you, the true self. Neither male nor female kind of androgynous can appear any way it feels, but it's the total self. And we are aspects of the higher selves or oversoul. I am um, in this body as a higher self. So um, I, I am my own aspect here from that higher realms over the 12th dimensional planes. So I've known Ashtar from deep space millions of years ago in other galaxies as well, the being that is known as Ashtar. Then here, as me now on this planet Earth, I know him through out-of-body soul travel. And um, when he's working around the ships where I come from, we see him as his total oversoul and his self like that. When I work with him or some of his crew on the ships that are around the planet Earth, there are three of them. And there are other alliance ships, space alliance ships of benevolent beings that also work with Ashtar's crews and the other crews that we have in the universal areas here intergalactically, um, you can meet them on different ships like that, working around planet Earth, So, as training ch- teaching ships. So people can be taken out of body if they want to go by their guardian angel, or if they know someone who could take them there, they can ask to be taken to the training ships around the planet Earth. Right over America, we have a huge 2,000-mile-long ship on a higher mid-dimensional etheric realm within the first plane levels. So it's on the first plane is Earth right now we're on. Then we got the second plane. That's where people leave their body. But if they're evil, you know, demonically evil or anything, who have passed on, they will go into that realm. <clears throat> that's the ne- negative realms. That's only for evil, not not benevolent people like you and everyone else out here. The, the regular soul will jump, bypass the second realm head to the mm-hmm. third, which is known as a mid-astral planes or um, a mid-heaven realm. The fourth level would be the highest astral planes or the heaven known by the Christian people. Everybody Christian or anybody says, oh, I'm going to the heaven realms. That's where that is. And that's where you meet your friends and family and pets and everything. So when we're on these planes, these uh, ships um, work within the mid-frequencies of different planes. They don't hit a negative plane. They're not. They're above that frequency. So you can go out of body, be taken there, learn and see things. And I've had taken friends and people from England, and we've all gone out, and they've remembered me there and talked with me, and they remember everything when he came back. And um, I'm not Mark, the one you see in my websites or anything. Um, when you meet me, I'm an, I'm an ET being about eight feet tall, seven and a half, eight feet tall, working with the people. So the friends who I've taken out will recognize and know who I am. And that's the image you see next to my face on my homepage or website or something like that website. So people have uh-huh. met, met me out there and do this. So we do this as a training. That's part of my mission here, when you ask about a mission, um, to help people yeah. come home. Yeah. To come come home to the higher realms. Uh, let's move and jump off these low-dense physical realms, which are loaded with uh, negative beings, testing grounds, as we call it in space. We call it boot camp earth. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke for like the crew. That. We we do that. We don't mean to mean that. It's not mean. It's just in fun. But it is a boot camp. It really is. And when people have crazy things happening to them as souls, you know, things are going through their challenges. And mem- 
people choose the challenges before they come here. All the life you've, we've spread out before us has chosen that um, things a person wants to learn or train or have experiences and be awakened at certain times. You know, sometimes people get bumped on the forehead or um, slip and fall somehow, but it jars something in their, let's say, chakra areas or even their mm-hmm. back of their head a little mm-hmm. bit. Not that they're dead, <laughs> you know, like killed or anything, but that it knocks them in a certain way, that it triggers that chakra frequency and creates an f- electrical current from the spine and to the areas that opens up a frequency to the, let's say, the physical earth brain, which then connects to those chakra frequencies of the um, crown chakra and the uh, third eye chakra, let's say, for the pituitary and it opens it up enough that they're awakened with something, like they might have a vision or went out of body or something happens. They see spirits or nature spirits. As we know they're real. The nature kingdom, um, they really exist, but they're a different frequency. So somebody might have an awakening in that way and now be curious and just start asking questions and then learn about the other side or learn about spirits and photography and dimensions, et cetera. And that's part of our, tr- our my mission. You're known as someone who's uh, taken very many pictures of the craft, uh, and that that's uh, something that happens around you a great deal. Um, yeah, actually, ever since I was a kid, a little kid, <laughs> um, it goes a long time, but I'm a walk-in, which means I came into the body that I'm in here right now. The soul that was in it left, because the body was going to die and died. So it's uh, uh, was before I was born. My, I came in at my mother's eight months of pregnancy. She was having a miscarriage. And um, I was in the hospital waiting with my angel, guardian angels. They're all friends mm-hmm. of ours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're angelic. They're not souls like we are, but they are a spiritual substance with creator. So they don't come into bodies to be born. They materialize and come to work with us, which um, I've met my guardians and my that's another story. My doorman met my guardian helping us. So there's all different things that happen like this. So when people say they're an angel re- and born here, I know that that can happen. I know that doesn't happen. So a soul, yes. Souls are born. Um, but the thing is, is when I've seen these beings and things and came into the body, as they, we're calling it a walk-in today. As a kid, I didn't have a word for it. I just mm-hmm. called myself a float in or moved in. I didn't have a word for it. I came in. That's what it was like. The other soul left, said the baby's going to be born dead. I'm leaving. Took off. And uh, my angel says to me, well, I want to try this one. So we had chosen this already because mm-hmm. of my father who's from space. So I got in, and with that came, I didn't get veiled because I was um, not too with the uh, councils in space and Saturn and Venus. We had to go through these councils to get to this be born on this planet. I had no lifetime here, just walked on it, which means I had no karma on this planet of any kind. So I had to get in. You cannot just come in. You have to go through councils and meetings, and you have to have a case, <laughs> what you're going to do. And um, now you're going to get on some of the karma that that soul was going to go through. It doesn't get wiped out. <laughs> Even though wow. the baby wasn't, was going to die, there was karma and things attached to it. Um it's funny, right, because I've had a struggle, really struggle. But they've helped me, and I've had miracles, so they've helped me. But um, I feel my time has come finally where I, the information is now understood, even though I spoke about this kind of information we're talking about since I was in the fifth grade, like 1960s. So 
Now it's being more understandable. And we teach an activation that I have from the spaceships, an ET. We call it an ET activation, a seed atom activation. And uh, when you go through this activation with us, it doesn't take long, but I make it, I make it when I do it with a lecture, I make it like a little experience. But in reality, when you go home with your little kit that we give you of how to do this, you do it in seconds, minutes. Now you're supposed to see or meet your higher self or oversoul. Or if it doesn't happen right away, um, within a week, you would practice it, and you'll have an either out-of-body, or you'll be seeing through your higher self's eyes or oversoul. And I've had people here come to us, and we've did this. They, their hover soul comes over, our higher self comes and says, I, "Hi, I'm you." <laughs> they tell them their name. And after people <laughs> had a spiritual consultation with me, I gave them their over or higher over soul's name, and they, they, they'd ask for it. So I, I don't do anything without their asking. You know, you don't intrude on them. So they said, "Do you know my over soul? Could you tell me the name?" And I'll tr- go get it, and I'll tell them. Then months go by, and they go through the activation with us, maybe at one of our lectures. And they come up to me and say, I was sitting there, and I was calm, and everything was nice. I saw the interior of a spaceship. Because when we do these things, these activations, and any of my lectures, an Ethereum spaceship comes into the room wherever we are. It could be 60-foot diameter, 100-foot diameter, 30-foot diameter. It'll come in, and the people will be in the lounge area in the ship. And if we do the activation, they will be seated in areas around the ship. And if they open their spiritual eyes, they will see many times the interior some of our ET friends, their higher selves, or their angels will be there greeting them in some way or standing there and seeing them. So many times people have said, the person came up to me, looked me, bent down, looked at me in the eyes, said, hi, I'm you, and said their name like I might have told their name. So that had some of these experiences. And then they go out of body and maybe blend with the higher self. And that's, the, that's our training. This is what I take the training from the spaceships where I come from. And this is what I've taught out there to Ethereans. Because Ethereans have physical bodies too. It's that is, amazing. And uh, um, is this <laughs> true of all the Ashtar activations that take place uh, throughout the planet, um, or oh. is what you do different from what they do? I don't know the other ones that the other people do. I'm not a part of any Ashtar groups. The okay. activation I teach comes from the training that we do on the Arkvanas and um, training ships of alliance groups as well. And I'm teaching that activation to Ethereans, not humans. Um, Ethereans, like like Ashtar people, you know, let's say the crews and those guys. They're, um, Ethereans have a physical body, too. They, they're invisible to us, but they can morph through, like come right in and talk with us, disappear later. Uh, Ethereans on their dimensional space is just a little bit past ours in speed, very high-speeded. They can have children, or they don't have to have children. But when they die, they dematerialize. So there's no burials or any of that. There's a, um, a, tra- a transition of that kind. And uh, this is the one we teach for them, uh, like when they're teenagers. <laughs> it's kind of fun. It's like, you know, you're dealing with teenagers and teaching them about this. And, and it's very easy to get into on the other side because they, they, as well as humans on Earth right now, they might not understand they have a higher self yet. They're not tra- they don't understand it all yet. And then they gradually grow and learn, and then they're flying a spaceship somewhere on the higher realms with the Ethereum, <laughs> other higher Ethereums. So it's kind of what fun. It's just like here when they're training people here. That's what <laughs> no, so I don't teach. Yeah. So mine is a little different. Mine is I, I was given permission to bring this teaching down in 2008. I had mm-hmm. the teaching since I've been a kid, and I've been doing it all my life as a kid. 
But when I met friends in England in 1978 and my wife, who I met in 78 through Tim Beckley. <laughs> um, really? <laughs> I taught Phyllis, my wife Phyllis, the uh-huh. activation. And she would go out of body, and we'd go out of body together at times. Um, and the people in England who had had UFO experiences very close up, and a couple of people had encounters with benevolent people that are like Venusians. Um, I was given okay to give that information to them so that while I was in England for about three, almost three months, we were going out of body back and forth every night, and we were in Warminster, and uh, everybody was remembering what was happening, especially two guys that I was working with. So um, it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. But then I was told you can't just give it to anybody because they're not ready for that frequency into the into the uh, pituitary area in the pineal gland. It's a very different kind of frequency. You can handle it, Hugh. You can handle it, Hercules, because you are working on those frequencies already. And we all know each other on the higher realms. Yes, but, we do. But people just walking on the street, you just can't give it to them. So I, when we do our lectures, we try to see who's coming. And this, my crew and friends, when the ship enters the room, they know who's there and what's going on. And they will get their higher selves for them here uh, to come be here in the room where, wherever we're giving it the talk or something. And... uh it's a, that's what happens. I can't explain it better than that. But that's when they no, told me in 2008, that, we can give it. That's an excellent uh, introduction to it. Uh, I, I've noticed as you were speaking that um, a lot of the similar information has been conveyed to me, except different words have been used. Uh, and uh, I'm reminded of the Tower of uh, Babel story, where uh, um, the difference in nomenclature, uh, if you're not aware of uh, the realities behind the words, keeps you from understanding what other people are saying. Um, but it is very true. There are different types of uh, people incarnate on the planet, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, some of them are uh, part of a great life wave uh, that's uh, transitioning through here and learning through here, and others of us have other functions, uh, but we're here. Yes. Uh, I was a wanderer rather than a walk-in, so I went through the entire process um, uh, to incarnate uh, because part of what I do uh, is, uh, uh, you know, basically you get entangled in the conditioning and in the programming, and then you would need to disentangle yourself <laughs> in order to help others uh, dis angle and become aware uh, of their higher self and the higher dimensions. And yes, this is a schoolroom uh, for yeah. some souls and for other souls. It's uh, more like a detention center, uh, but uh, it is a, a place of learning and a place from which uh, you can become free. Uh, so uh, uh, we're all doing this great uh, work. And uh, what you're describing sounds uh, very appealing. Um, how often do you conduct workshops? Um, through people, like they offer their home, and we'll okay. get people together. Um, sometimes we used to do a few at the uh, our old friend Jody Sirota's Meta Center here in New York City, but she it's closed now. But she's still part of Meta Center. That's her name uh, under her emails because she will do her own centers in different areas around the West Side here. We're all on the West Side around here. West, I'm at West uh-huh. 80s, and she's there. So um. Um, when she had the medicine center operating in 2012 and more, uh, we were going doing uh, lectures there and uh, having private uh, small room, I guess you'd say, 30-some-odd people, and we do smaller lectures where we would do the activation because we were 
you know, seeing the people who they are and knowing that they could handle that. Um, not just people off the street coming in to see what that's about. Right. So we'd have a, like in Jody's at that time, she would have the big, biggest room, but people from the street could come by, see what's on, on tonight, and say, oh, I'll, go jo- I'll be in that room. So we had a basics um, lecture there, uh, a one-on-one type thing, the one, <laughs> one, 1A group, whatever you call it, kindergarten, and then we just add a little bit more in. But when if we did an activation, it wasn't the severe activation. It was a mild activation. It was based on it, but not the works, because there might have been 12-year-olds or 15-year-olds in the audience. Right. We can't give it to 15-year-olds. <clears throat> 15-year-olds is about 14 or 15-year-olds. If they're pretty much aware of what's going on or, or has, knows about out-of-body travel, then they can handle it. 12-year-olds and under, or 14, 13 under, um, no, because their brain is still forming of course when they're in their 20s it's still forming but that's what they said we have to see the children if they're monitored they can see them that they're pretty much aware and believe and understand that there's more it won't and it won't go maybe to their ego like a power trip can't have that those are the kids that come in but we had i think only one or two teenagers come in one time and 18 years old and and they loved it because they're their mother and father were open to all this, so it's like aware children. So that's what they said. If the children in the audience, we can't give that one, but we can uh, give them the other one. <laughs> and, and we don't let, if we have a pamphlet at all, we will never give the severe, the strongest information on the pamphlet. But the, o- the owner of the pamphlet who's been through the whole activation knows that if that pamphlet was accidentally picked up by a kid anywhere, they would only see the low, the regular one that's there, that's the mild one. The, own, the owner would know that the, what the link is and what the uh, missing images are that I have there. So they, they all know that. I, we want to be sure nobody could just pick it up and start doing the, the heaviest activation going without being ready for it. So if the mild one is picked up, it's okay. It's funny, right? But, but this is what we're instructed. You do this. You can't let them just find it. I said, okay, we can't let a child find it. No. <laughs> we have visuals, too. So it's easy to follow if um, if you're just sitting there and looking at the booklet that we make, a little booklet, then you go, oh, yeah, I, I do this. But you have to have been through the activation with us so you know what to expect, and then you have it in your head, and you go, okay, now I know what to do. And it's pretty fun. My wife's done it. She's um, practices for fun. You know, like you, before you just say some prayers and you go in and lay down on your bed and you're just laying there and you meditate for a uh-huh. minute. And no expectation. She's, she's saying to me, like, no expectation, just laying there did a little bit of this activation, and what happens? Boom. She's having a 3D vision in color, oh, very cool. and she's traveling through space, or she's on some other planet, and she calls me, and I come in. For, I was in the, by the computer, let's say, and I go back in, and she says, where were we all just now on the shift? <laughs> and I'm, I go up, and I, go, call, I just ask. I just tune up. I just ask. It's being quiet, and I say, where were we just now? And I blank my mind, which I've trained myself to do since I was a kid, I blanked my mind, and boom, the vision comes on. And I described to her what we were just doing. And I said, well, and Phyllis said, well, where were we 10 minutes ago, let's say? Because I was in here thinking this stuff and meditating. And I said, 10 minutes roughly ago on Earth, what time? And they did me a quick vision of where we just were and what we, what mm-hmm. we saw. And I tell Phyllis it's exactly what she saw. So they, they can, um, you can tune up to your higher self. So she was seeing out of her higher self's eyes in her consciousness of, her now on earth laying down on the bed, awake, like a, a lucid vision, but not a vision. 
So when people ask me what I'm doing, I, I have no coin for what I'm doing. People say, is it conscious channeling? Is it this? And I asked the crew today, what's a, what's a way to say this? Besides, Phyllis and I coined this, lucid remote viewing, even though I've been remote viewing since I can remember. And we were good buddies with Ingo Swan for 19 years. He was like, he's our space father, actually, from another life. Ingo. And he knew I was a remote viewer, so he never even talked about it with me. He was just like, yeah, I know. But he's, um, when he first met me in 1993 or so, he said, you're your own higher self right here. And he's first meeting me. He doesn't know me. Just meeting me. And he mm-hmm. says, oh, so you you took over that body that was a little tiny baby inside your mother because was being was going to be born dead. And that other soul left. You took it over. I said, uh, yeah. And no one's ever told you this. And he says, did it? Did it make you claustrophobic at all because you had to take all that energy and push it in? And, you know, I said to him, I can't believe you said that because, yes, it did, exactly that, exactly that. Because I was like, whoa. So as soon as I linked in and connected, I left the body with the core, you know, the energy you're attached to, and I was like out of body most of the time going back and forth. And this is what babies do. They do this. Little babies go out of body. They're telepathic. And um, they hear everything that mommy and daddy are doing if they're getting angry and having a fight. <laughs> That's why it is good to play nice music. <laughs> <laughs> or Steve Halpern music or classical. Oh, my gosh, I went off track on you. I'm so sorry. No, that, I, I, I want to <laughs> understand. And you're doing an excellent job of explaining it. And uh, um, I'm glad that we connected uh, through this journey and through Tim. Tim's an awesome individual. Yeah. Um, I don't know Tim as well. You know Tim, but I've known him for a long time uh, casually. Uh, as we were talking about during the days when John Keel had the Fortean Society oh, yeah. uh, in New York City, I used to attend uh, fairly often. Uh, and after uh, people go out to eat, and I'm sure we cross pat we all cross paths uh, there. And uh, I'm glad that we're reconnecting. Uh, the universe has lately been connecting me with people from that part of my life. Uh, so it, it's really amazing, and I, I'm sure that we're all going to be working together in uh, in interesting and fun ways in the near future. Yeah, and I met John Keel, uh, Phyllis and I. He lived nearby us around 82nd Street near West End, uh-huh. and uh, we were on West 84. And I would see him all the time on Broadway walking by, or I would telepathically know I was going to meet John today if I went that way, and I'd say, oh, no, I'm going to see John again. I just saw him the other day. And no matter which road I took, 82nd, 81st, 80th, it didn't matter. I would meet up with John walking across the street in front of me or here telepathically take a left and he's in that restaurant. Look, go look in the window and sure enough, there to be eating in his restaurant and we'd be laughing, you know. He used to come to our little parties we'd have. He was amazing. He loved to listen to different things that happened because to me with my Fordian stuff, my, maybe a new cryptozoology, love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, <laughs> love that'll that. be a different show. We'll, we'll spend the whole show at least talking about cryptozoology. Big, yeah. Bigfoot and all, yeah. Yep. <laughs> so basically when I met Ashtar millions of years ago, that was your, our cutback and uh, going backwards for a second, knowing him out of body, I don't I don't tune to him. I, I don't uh, tr- um, harass my friends on the other side, only my crew. <laughs> That's my <laughs> friends, those guys. But the other friends like Balthon and um, who I met in the park in Central Park on August 10th, 2015, um, he was the ET that I met in the park, and uh, after right after he left, um, within ten minutes or less, five minutes probably, I was um, 
Paul to look at the clouds in the sky, and a big spaceship came out that looked like as the Star of Bethlehem, which was a spaceship actually, and it looked mm-hmm. like a bright, beautiful star. It was so beautiful, it looked like just the design people make on TV movies of a cross affecting in the sky with star sparkles all around it. And I'm looking at this, and I'm saying, "Oh my God, it's a Star of Bethlehem! It's so beautiful." And I tried to take, I took one picture of it, looked at it with binoculars, then took a picture of it, and then I put the camera down, took the binoculars again, and I'm looking at it. And I'm hearing um, a silence go around me in the, in the park. There was people and dogs and children and traffic, and everything goes silent. And I said to myself, oh, oh, I know that silent vibe that's happened to me on the sh- on the fields. And that's when half things happen, when all things go silent. And next thing I know, I'm hearing, and I'm thinking that, and also I'm hearing, you better not stay too lo- stare too long looking at the sky. Too much time will lapse between photos or pictures. I went, oh, yeah, right. So I put the binoculars down, grabbed the camera, and start took it, put it up to take another picture. And you can see this on our UFO in the website, intergalacticmission.com, under mm-hmm. UFO photography. Mm-hmm. And took a picture, and the spaceship is now with a cloud near it, and everything's changed. The sky is different. Wow. The people that were near in a different area having a picnic are suddenly walking out at West 86th Street. And I said, how'd they get, what? How'd they get over there? They had to walk in front of me, but they didn't. So I knew something weird happened. And it wasn't until they blocked me with this information for a moment. But when Phyllis got home, I said, the crew wants you to download the pictures because it's very important. And when we looked at them, they looked kind of cool, but they weren't, I don't know, great. And the star of Bethlehem wasn't there. It was a totally different images. They morphed the uh, frequency of the plasma fields yeah. around their ships yeah. to make designs and patterns and stars and hearts. They, they got all that crosses. And uh, so I said, oh, they did one of the morphings. <laughs> so yeah, we had yeah. so things that, that happens uh, frequently. Uh, yeah, like you that, pointed that, out, blocking memory or blocking a piece of information and then uh, also uh, altering the, the reality around you. So they, yep, they change it. Yep. What it was. So what happens, Phyllis downloads the pictures within a week or so or less. And um, I'm sitting on our couch. When you come to visit, you'll see what I mean. It's an L-shaped couch. So I'm sitting here, do-do-do-do. And she's downloading pictures with the um, uh, time stamps. And she goes, Mark, why did you wait 24 minutes to take a second picture from the first picture? And I went, what are you talking about? 24 seconds, maybe, because I put the binoculars, got the camera. And she goes, no, 24 minutes. And at that moment, when I walked over to the computer to see the time stamps, because she, I was saying, no way, no way, I knew something happened that day because when I came home, all the clocks were wrong, including all clocks. So, But I felt like I was only up at the park for about 40 minutes at the most or less because it was so hot. Mm-hmm. And it was brutal for me. I can't handle heat. So I come back thinking, why are the clocks so weird? Because it still felt like only 20, uh, 40 minutes at the most. She says, no, 24 minutes are missing. The first picture is taken at like 1.15 p.m. And mm-hmm. the second picture is taken 24 minutes later like one forty something PM. I don't have that in front of me. But on the pictures online you could see the t- time stamp difference in the cloud that appears with the second picture. From that point when I took the picture originally, I thought I was taking them all in a row. Tick, 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 like that, click, 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 and I followed it right to the one in the cloud that was it, dematerialized. Phyllis says twenty four minutes are missing. As soon as I again as soon as I went to the computer and looked at the timestamps in real real time right there, a white blast of light hit my head <laughs> like a <laughs> bang of white light and a sudden visual of everything 3D all happened in memory again as if I just had it yesterday so they 
they blocked it because they wanted Phyllis to experience it. And that's why they were trying to get us to download the pictures ASAP. But as soon as that happened, I was in everything. I Ashtar was there. My some of my crew were there. All like the guys are eight feet tall and change, and the girls. Uh huh. <laughs> they're they're big, and um, Ashtar came up to me. Sananda, who we know as Yehoshua on the planet Earth, Sananda was about uh, fifteen feet away from me, smiling the whole time, just watching this because it's like an act, you know. For me, I'm here in this small body I'm in right now as Mark, but I'm now I'm physical on the ship with them that they teleported me on. Ashtar comes walking over to me. He's about seven and a half feet tall. He comes up, he kneels, he bends down, and he. He hugs me, and he's so big and broad, you can't get your hands around his back at all to touch a shoulder blade. Wow. They're huge. You know, when you think of size, his his he must have been 40 inches. I don't know. Huge. He's just big. And uh, he's he gives me a hug, and my right ear, he whispers to me, he says, now you can tell them I'm, I'm real because people don't believe he's real. I'm feeling right. his ne- bones, his muscle. I'm feeling everything about him. He's beautiful. His eyes are beautiful. He's like an electric. He's got blue eyes. I can't explain it. Blue with green in it. Very beautiful. But their eyes are like looking through space. If you get into the pupil, it looks like you're seeing star systems. It's so beautiful if you go in. <laughs> really go in. But their eyes are larger than our human eyes. Um, and there's, some beings have slightly slanted eyes, like I know I do on my side. Um, and some like tans or dark tans, light tans. Other beings are different colored, uh, light blue, pale blue, green tones, depending on who they are and where they're from, what they're trying to project, because they, they take on forms to be fun <laughs> that uh-huh. they've had experiences as in past lifetimes and other galaxies. But they do this to give everybody the feeling of we can be so many things and more. Don't be afraid. I'm a soul just like you. And I might look like uh, a slight insectoid, or I might look like a reptilian-type being, humanoid, but I'm still a soul. And when you meet them and see them, the benevolent ones, you you feel their love as much as you feel anybody. So on the ships, we have no prejudice. On the ships, we have no religions because that's not what's on the ships. We're just, um, th- we know the aspect of infinite creator. We all know who the threefold creator is. And we know Sananda as the second aspect or the son of creator. Let's say, let's call it the son, even though he's an androgynous being. Uh, and um, the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost people call it, but this Holy Spirit. So in space we know the creator, who's the all creator of everything there ever is and then, and only is one creator, and all is within it. But it's not a computer simulation either, but it, it's the creator. And they give me an analogy one time. Um, I've told people a few times. This is uh, imagine we're we're the creator. We're in our a big room, which is a g- infinite light and whatever. But there's uh, the way to see it is like a giant um, fish tank, big fish tank, with things in it. Like it could be fish or anything or floating things in it, right? The fish mm-hmm. tank is the omniverse. Wow, the whole that, that's omniverse. A, the that, things floating in it. That's a concept I want to pick up on on our next conversation. Uh, We're reaching the end of our journey for today, and I've had a lot of fun. This has been a fun 40 minutes. Um, Now, the name of the book, again, that we both appeared in is Ashtar's Space Brothers Speak 
Transmission, Transmission from the Solar from Council. The Solar Council. <laughs> and By it's Timothy an awesome Bentley. book, and I'm glad we're in it together, and I'm glad uh, we connected, and I'm looking forward to continuing uh, this conversation both on the air and in person. Uh, how right. can folks get in contact with you, get on your mailing list, and uh, uh, tap into all the wonderful things you're doing? Thank you. Thank you, Hercules. Uh, intergalacticmission.com is my main website. You'll see UFOs and art and illustrations. Our um, Facebook is Mark Brinkerhoff, um, M-E-R-C-B-R-I-N-K-E-R-H-O-F-F. And uh, email, I'm not sure which one to give now. The, the Mark you, you, Brinkerhoff at yahoo.com. That's a simple one. That, that uh, that's is new. We put one. that up. Yeah, we put and, that up. Uh, easy. On Facebook, we have a link to your Facebook page and to your website. Uh, yes, and also a link to your appearance on Coast to Coast later tonight uh, for those who want to follow you there. Um, I had you. a great time, Mark. I heard Phyllis in the background. Hi, Phyllis. Uh, and Nick is still here. Uh, Hi, so uh, <laughs> I'll convey your regards. Uh, have a wonderful day. Joyous journeys and awesome adventures. And I will be talking to you very, very soon. Thank you very much. God bless you. Have a great day. Bye, you everybody. too. Take care, Mark. Adonai uh, Basu Baragas. Awesome. Uh, we're okay. going to listen to Brent Kodorian's King of Dreams, and then we'll be back with Sumerian Revelations. Well, I'm the sandman and the man in 
That was Bran Trigorian's King of Dreams. Greetings and welcome back to Pride of Olympus. I am Hercules Invictus. And our next segment is Unarian Revelations. Today we'll be looking at a new way to get free of addiction. And we have with us Jack Appel and Polarich Greenwood. Greetings and welcome, fellow Unarians. How are you? Oh, Great. Uh, Greetings. Thank you. Thank you for having us on the show. We always appreciate it. Well, thanks for being on. I always love having you on. And uh, thank you for all the wonderful uh, uh, information that you sent me (laughs) over the past couple of days. Uh, It'll really be helpful in uh, uh, focusing on the the key points of tonight's uh, adventure. Sounds good. (laughs) So let us start at the beginning. Um, How does... How do addictions take hold of an individual, uh, and why are they so powerful? Well, who wants to start? I guess I'm already talking. Uh, well, from uh, from an energy standpoint, you know, uh, an addiction is something that it's a part of the person. So, you know, if we consider ourselves energy beings, then we have this component of ourselves that's it's not something on the outside at all. It's it, it's an actual part of us, and it's something that's been regenerated or uh, say a, a repetitive act, something that's been recreated over and over again by repetitive action over, you know, not just this lifetime but other lifetimes. So mm-hmm. this is uh, one of the reasons it can be so ingrained in, in, in a person's consciousness. And uh, there's also other factors, you know, that we. Uh, so, you know, from the excuse me, the Unarius perspective, you know, we we look at obsessions as basically being two kinds. Uh, there's a uh, what we call a thought form of obsession, and that's kind of what I just described. The positive uh-huh. action, recreating, reinforcing, uh, you know, a, a behavior within yourself, and then the other kind is uh, an, like an external, uh, an entity, some, someone that uh, has left the physical anatomy and is not really uh, having any direction. So they're kind of looking somewhat to, to grasp onto somebody. And uh, they may not be consciously aware of this, but uh, mm-hmm. what happens is when you have a, an emotion of some sort of an anger or a fear or a, a guilt or a resentment of that sort of thing, it, it, it creates an avenue or a frequency rapport that uh, these, these entities can come in on and influence you and, and they're insidious because you're not aware of it. You're feeling it, so you think it's you. So uh, that, yeah, that would be uh, the, the important thing to, to get out of that is that yeah, you have to learn over time from you know, just trying to discern what, where these thoughts of yours are coming from that this is really something that is not necessarily all yours. You know, it, it's just an outside influencing factor. So it's, it can be a really an interesting topic to learn. Yeah, that is, that is a very interesting topic, and that that was a lot of information to to think about. Paula, can you add to that? I I'd like to continue a little bit on what Jack was talking about with the disincarnate entity, a human being who has died and not left the earth plane, um, be, has not moved on to a higher spiritual world. And usually those people um, have very physical attachments to the earth, whether they um, 
loved food or cigarettes or drugs or alcohol or sex, what they do is they roam the earth and they find someone who has a similar um, habit or addiction that they had on the earth. And mm-hmm. and so when you smoke a cigarette, you not only are the person smoking the cigarette, but there may be 10 or 20 people that are hanging around you smoking it with you. And so right. you have your own thought forms that you've accumulated in this lifetime where you, however long you've been smoking, and then all the numerous past lifetimes where you have smoked hashish or um, marijuana or whatever you have smoked in previous lifetimes. And the same goes true for alcohol and drugs. Um, So that thought form obsession is part of our energy body in um, conjunction with the people, the disincarnate people who are hanging around us and using a substance through us. So that's the true meaning of addiction. But the clinical uh, definition for substance abuse counselors is you use a substance over and over until your body be, uh, you build up a tolerance. You have to use it more and more and, and then you become dependent on it and the body goes through withdrawals when you stop using it. And, um, but the scientific energy approach that Unarius describes takes it beyond that physical form and into energy and how that's functioning and how it relates to our past life. Wow. So it's kind of like a double whammy. You have the, that, those patterns, uh, um, inside of, uh, yourself, uh, um, compelling you and then you also have uh, uh, entities who are addicted to these things are reinforcing that internal pattern uh, so uh, it, it, now how do you get rid of the patterns then and well, the scarness that are reinforcing the patterns well this is a this is another big topic <laughs> but uh, <laughs> one of the aspects of some uh, of See, uh, for an example, you know, we're, we're always thinking of past lives as, you know, you know in students, and it's, it's really wonderful to see that a lot of the world is opening up to that concept and and knowing it happens uh, or, or that it exists. And uh, one of the many things that can really free yourself of obsession is if they, you know, so therefore free yourself from an addiction of, of sorts or an attraction to something is if, if you recognize, say, uh, for, I'll use somebody that I knew years ago as an example where they were wondering why they were snoring so heavily. Mm-hmm. It was really loud. I mean, I heard it and it was like, holy cow. And uh, they got some information that in the past uh, in India, they spent a lot of time in, I think it was in India, in an opium den. Mm-hmm. Getting high all the time, all the time, and uh, getting unconscious in the opium den. And this is what the, was being replayed in the present, even though he wasn't in the opium den. You know, they thought it was a religious experience, so you know he's attending a spiritual class and being reattuned to that. And that's where the snoring would happen. And so when he had that recognition, you know, that put he put the pieces together that this is something from the past that stopped. So that that's like one example. Uh, and, and of course, uh, Paul, I'm sure, has uh, a couple as well. 
Okay, we'll move we'll forward. Thank you, Jack. Yes, so my understanding is that there's a, several ways of how to change that pattern. And as Jack was describing uh, through a past life recognition, um, our bodies, our physical bodies are comprised of energy, thousands of energy vortices. And when we become attuned to a past, a negative past life, and we begin, uh, we begin to um, reenact those energies from the past, like using drugs um, or sex, if you're a sex addict, whatever, whatever your addiction is or your abuse is, you are in phase with that past life and numerous past lives, and that energy waveform is an aberrated negative waveform and through your recognition of the past life and where it comes from in addition to um, projected energies to us from these higher minds higher spiritual beings that are working with us that negative energy waveform gets um, discharged and Mm -hmm. becomes a positive smooth flowing waveform so so that's one way through past life therapy um, recognizing where this information came from originally and then the second way is by um, having these obsessions removed from you all of these people that are hanging around you that are doing the drug or the cigarette or the sex alcohol with you having those beings removed and um, how they are removed is through uh, these higher super minds that are working with us, people that have advanced beyond the earth world, um, spirit guides or archangels um, that are from these higher worlds that have scientific devices that can remove um, those beings from you that are attached to you. And so you can uh, experience that through uh, a flame ceremony that Unarius enacts, but we can enact that ourselves. You can, you can call on your higher spiritual guides from the highest dimensions and uh, maybe play a Unarius tape or uh, uh-huh. some high-frequency spiritual music and visualize that those beings are uh, surrounding you with healing light. White light is a higher uh, vibratory frequency, and visualize those beings being removed from you. Wow. So, so that can be done through uh, visualization and by calling out to um, higher powers, and uh, they will assist you in uh, doing this. That is, that is awesome, and that is uh, very good to know. Um, I know in my lifetime I've been uh, – uh, I've had uh, several addictions. I used to smoke for a very long time, uh, and uh, um, I haven't smoked now in over 15, 16, maybe more <laughs> years. Um, but what it finally took was a decision that I won't do this anymore. Uh, and before that, I remember it was a struggle. I would uh, be smoking, then I, had, I tried different things, which would all fail, and then I would beat myself up about it, and then... Uh, uh, I would stop for a while, and then something would happen, and I would start smoking again, and then, yeah, it was it was like an endless uh, uh, cycle. 
and uh, just, again, making that decision that I'm not going to do it. And I gave myself a timeline. It was uh, New Year's Eve, like uh, uh, exactly at uh, 12, at 11.59, you know, I was going to give it up, uh-huh. and I did, and I, I never went uh, back. Um, and that was a, a way uh, to do it. And uh, before then, I tried other ways, and they lasted, but they didn't last uh, for so uh, long. But I can see in other areas of my life, too, that I, I called out several times you know, for help, and I got the help and was able to break that uh, uh, obsessive or compulsive uh, behavior and not have it uh, return. Um, so... A lot of people don't believe in the the spiritual world or the higher realms. Um, so having the music or having the unarius types would surely be very uh, helpful. Are there any in particular that you would recommend? Um, Inspirational Walk with Unarius is a really beautiful tape. Um, maybe classical music, but I, I wouldn't recommend someone to do this on their own uh, if, okay. if they don't have a spiritual understanding. And the reason is because beings can come into your consciousness or your aura and um, they can be of a lower astral nature and can act like it's a positive force, but most likely is not. Um, so, so I don't. I would not recommend someone trying to do a flame ceremony without some kind of spiritual belief. They can, even, you know, if they don't believe in anything, you know, spiritual beings, maybe even just their higher mind, their own higher mind within themselves, and that higher mind, without them even being aware of it, is attuned to the infinite creative intelligence, the God force. And, and would help them. Thank you. Jack, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I, uh, yeah, it was interesting. I was thinking about how you mentioned that you had just had the desire to to stop this, you know, and that's, that's really the, uh, it may sound obvious, but it really is the very first step, right? You have to want to change. You have to want, you have to have this behavior, you know, in you bothering you, you know, if we've got, We've heard it numerous times out here that you have to hit rock bottom before you start wanting answers. Right. So, you know, somebody with an addiction is down on the bottom, and that's when they start saying, what am I doing? I need help. And, you know, you have to ask that question, what, what am I doing, you know? So, so our perspective of that is obviously working with our thoughts. Uh, we really, you know, and it takes some doing. It's, it, it's kind of like a learned thing, but it's very, very beneficial to – actually kind of think about where your thoughts are coming from. You know how I mentioned before the obsessions come in, you think it's a part of you. And, you know, if you, if you just let it go, it's just like you're just going with the flow. You know, you're not opposing any of these energies from the past that are causing you to have an addiction or whatever. So you need to be you need to be diligent and think, why am I wanting to do something when it's bad for me? You know, just having that objectivity, that kind of thought will – set something in motion, you know, so it, it, it'll plant a seed in the consciousness and you'll be able to start getting help because that's something that's also very important. Paul talked about where, where we're in tune with the higher planes, you know, we're working with with the higher beings. When we change, when I say we, you know, work with energy and change, it, we, we don't really, you know, we're, we're helped and, and the higher beings have the intelligence 
to help to change the energy within us, but we have to be willing, and you know we have to understand it can happen. It is a reality. I know it sounds a little way out there for people that haven't been uh, privy to this kind of information before, but it's, it's a very it's a very real thing, and we've got so many examples of people who have had tremendous healings. You know, there's thousands of examples that we have. So uh, the uh, fact that it works to higher beings is just so important. Yes, most certainly so, and it is difficult. I remember when I was wrestling with the, the smoking, uh, I, I would find myself having lit a cigarette and taken a few puffs before I even realized that I was smoking. It was very insidious. Um, I remember, and uh, with uh, the, um, uh, I, I remember I had difficulty with uh, overeating for a while in my life too, uh, and there I remember when that started, uh, I was a kid and I went to a birthday party, and I I started like uh, eating hot dogs, um, you know, like very quickly to like impress the other kids. And I remember picking up an entity at that point, but I didn't really understand what it was until much later. And uh, what it took there was uh, being able to visualize the entity and then just uh, denying it whenever it sent a, uh, you know, something, and then uh, insisting that it leave whenever I caught it, uh, you know, trying to get me to eat something I shouldn't be eating. And uh, it took a while for it to go away, and then it went away for a while, and then it came back, and I hadn't even been aware of it. And the second time I did it, uh, after that, it's been okay, and I haven't experienced a return of the uh, entity. Uh, but the, I guess that was one example with uh, an entity. But I didn't think at that point to, to call upon a higher power. Yeah, well, you know, when we talk about some of these things, uh, you know, I think we're kind of by default thinking of the more severe addictions or the stronger ones. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I know, uh, like for. I know someone, for example, that quit smoking for 16 years and then started again. So the first thing we said, yeah. why, why are you starting back up? And, and, and the fellow said, well, I'm tired of thinking about having a cigarette every day of my life, like, like I have since I quit 16 years ago. And that's how, you know, strongly in, in, impinged in this consciousness <laughs> that smoking was. So that would be a perfect candidate for, you know, some, some real work, you know, the heavy duty stuff. <laughs> They're and very insidious, uh, and the lie is, uh, oh, you 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 haven't smoked for fifteen years. Well, you're, you'll only smoke one cigarette. It'll be okay. <laughs> and then, then a little later, it'll be oh, you smoke another cigarette. It'll be okay. You know, and, and before you know it, you're chain smoking again. Yeah, and there's always a, like everything. There's always varying degrees of, of addiction. You know, uh. Now, in the the obsession factor in addiction, can you talk about that a little bit more? Well, in the yeah, example you know, that you some, just... Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead, Jack. Oh, no, I'm sorry, Paula. I'll be quiet. No, it's all right. Well, what I was going to say is that in the example that you just gave where you quit for 16 years and then you smoke just, you're just going to smoke just one cigarette and then you ended up, end up smoking more and then you're buying a pack... So that is an example of the obsessional nature because maybe those smokers uh, weren't hanging around you because you had you were uh, in remission with with your cigarette habit or addiction, so they were no longer around you. But as soon as you pick up that cigarette, and there are disincarnate people in our space 
all the time, yes. everywhere on this physical planet, there in our space. We just don't have the sensitivity, most of us, to see them. So someone walking by you, a disincarnate being, says, oh, he's smoking a cigarette. Let me come over and take a puff off of that. And then five more people come along, and they are doing the same thing. And that thought form obsession and the physical or the psychic obsession of these people are regenerating all of your negative energy waveforms that represent all the past lifetimes where you have smoked. And then these people hanging around you is intensifying that effect. And that's the obsessional force, thought forms and entities. Wow. Jack? I'm in total agreement. Okay, awesome. Uh, Unarius is very unique in that uh, it uh, um, encourages folks to uh, watch their inner processes and take the full responsibility for their lives. Uh, and how would the Unarian past life therapy help someone who's in the, the grip of addictions? Well, I think it's, uh, you know, we, we, we go back to the thoughts. You know, what thoughts are you having? You know, uh, that's that's the beginning. Uh, again, uh, an example that I know I could use is I had a heavy-duty drinking problem when I was young. And, uh, I, you know, I was out every night, you know, seven days a week and, uh, you know, hitting the bars up and stuff. And uh, I, I wanted to get rid of a lot of it by myself, and, and I managed to slow down, you know, so there's a, there's a part of that higher self that you have that can help. But to really eliminate the problem, you have to go back to, to finding out why you're, you know, what's the root cause, you know, what's at the the core of, of your desire to want to do something like this. And, you know, so, so I learned I had a past in a, uh, something called, similar to like a recreation planet where I just, I worked there. So my job mm-hmm. was to mix around, you know, get, get uh, lit up with everybody, I guess you could say, you know, and leaving out a lot of stuff for the sake of time. But yeah, so, so basically that was my, my lifestyle was to just, you know, get, get, get high, you know, the drugs, things to drink and all sorts of things. And so I still, you know, I came back into the, to this life with, the, with those desires because of that. And uh, now they've cut way down. I mean, it, it, it didn't, it doesn't have to be completely, you know, but, but I mean, in other words, that desire to go out every day and then just you know, think that that's, you know, what, what you're, you know, what's great fun, you know, more fun than almost anything else, you know, all those thoughts are gone, fortunately. Well, wow. That would be one way of looking so, at it. Is a, a, a so that image expl- explains a lot. Wow. Go ahead. Another part of that past life therapy of helping with addiction is um, one tool that we use, which is the journal approach. So say I start drinking wine and I, and it starts to increase and it becomes a problem for me. I'm drinking it every night. It's interfering with my job and, and my whole life. Well, as a student of past life therapy, what I would do is I would sit down and write, just start writing well, what, what my emotions are affiliated with the drinking. And, and I would ask for help from these higher beings that are with me to, to help me, uh, realize what past life I'm reliving 
And so, uh, and it may not, it usually doesn't happen all at once. You don't get this magic picture and a perfect scene, although sometimes, uh, sometimes you'll get past life information right away. But you'll write down what the problem is, and then even sometimes when you're writing in your journal, some answers will start to come in that moment. Well, this this is a past life in Europe where I was involved with a social scene and, and a lot of abuses happened in that lifetime. And then maybe over the next several days, more pieces, pictures of that past life will come into my consciousness, and, and I'll write that down. And uh, it, more insights will come maybe just in thoughts, in my thoughts. And pretty soon the whole picture will be uh, formed and I'll recognize where it's coming from. And then with that recognition and with the added energies of healing that I get from higher dimensions, that negative aberrated waveform will get canceled out and rectified. Wow. So the, the journaling helps that much. That is awesome. And how exactly would you do the exercise with the waveforms and, and working with the energy body? So uh, it's just through the recognition, through recognizing okay. that this is coming from a past life. In addition to the added healing energies that are projected to us, mm-hmm. that negative aberrated energy waveform is discharged. It's canceled out. It's rectified. And it's not there anymore. It just becomes a positive, free-flowing waveform energy vortex. I remember uh, watching many uh, DVDs from uh, Unarius where uh, folks were sharing uh, um, their um, freedom from destructive patterns uh, uh, when they became aware of uh, Unarian uh, exercises and the Unarian uh, teaching, so it's it's great that you're reinforcing that, and uh, I see the process uh, uh, more uh, clearly now. And uh, uh, I know the journaling. I I, do, I keep the dream journal mostly, and I know that that's been very helpful. I, I remember my experiences from uh, the night, um, and uh, there are several different types of experiences, and I know that they help give me insight because all the worlds internally and externally seem to be mirrors of each other in some way. And if you fix something, uh, everything changes, not just uh, the world that you're currently conscious in. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, and Jack, we have another uh, good oh, – sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, we have another great tool uh, for working with these re- repetitive things. Uh, you know, we call it the chart of self-mastery. And, you know, what it is is, say, on the left side, for row, you know, row is going left to right. We have blank spaces, and you can write in stuff there. You know, like, say, uh, desire to drink. And it works with other things, too, like cursing and <laughs> eating too much or being uh, defensive or you know, anger. You know, put the emotions in there. And then across the top, you would put the dates of the month, and you, and you want to do this for three months. And this, and this is something that came through from one of the higher beings, one of our co-founders, uh, Ernest Norman. And what you do is you put how many times you had the feeling under the date. You know, so if you say you were angry three times, you know, you put a three, and you'll, you'll notice as time goes on that the the numbers are going down. Mm-hmm. And if you are really conscientious about it and, 
at the end of the three month period, you should be writing zero again. So uh, it's a wonderful tool as well to help you. And and yeah, that, that, that is a wonderful tool. And you use it every day. You have little columns and and throughout the day, various times of the day. Um, you well, maybe at the end of the day, you write down how many times you were angry or how many times you were fearful. And and you become more aware of your consciousness, I think, is part of that process. By the end of three months, every day doing, do, using that tool, those uh, you do the negative anger emotion that decreases because you're conscious of how you're reacting and responding <coughs> instead sorry. of just reacting. That, that's very powerful, and what a lot of people don't realize is that uh, just because you get uh, angry or uh, any other uh, negative emotion, you don't have to act on that emotion. Just because it's there doesn't mean that you have to follow through with it. You could say no, and it'll go away you know, in a very short period of time. Right. Are there entities also who do that, who uh, who are addicted to negative emotions, and rather than a substance like uh, tobacco and alcohol try to elicit uh, uh, negative responses, like making you uh, uh, lose your temper or um, you know uh, have certain behaviors that are not good for yourself or other people, um, or because uh, they they seem obsessive a lot of times. Those type of uh, um, thoughts that come into somebody's head. Oh yes, this yes, is, that's a really good question you have there because. Uh, one of the things that I think I, that I've seen that really is uh, the, the best example of this is when somebody gets angry. You know, I, I've seen a couple of times where somebody just got this inhuman strength, you know, when they got angry and, and picked up something that normally would take two people in very good shape to pick up and move. And I've seen one person pick something up and, and actually throw it through the air when they got mad at somebody. Wow, uh, and I'm talking. I'm talking. It was like the size of, a, of of an engine block out of a car. It was it was that big. One guy picked it up, you know, and he was known for that when he got <clears throat> when he got mad. Of course, I, we didn't know anything about obsessions at the time. It was many years ago, but na- but now I know that that's exactly what that was because he would change. He would have a different countenance and just uh, the strength came in, and those were those outside entities coming in and feeding uh, off the emotion. And it was a strong one with this fellow because he would just get this uh, you know, complete change happening. And uh, and that's not mm-hmm. the only emotion, obviously. You know, fear will bring it in. Fear is another good one. Uh, I, I know, uh, for example, uh, now that's an easy one to tie in with a past life uh, experience of a, of a negative way, isn't it? Because of the fact that, like, for example, I always use myself and uh, – I used to live at the edge of a 5,000 acre preserve years ago. And I'd come home at night, and, I, and then the only place to park was right next to the wood line. <laughs> and uh, I used to always be, you know, fearful of something being there. There never was. You know, I mean, all we had were deer, you know, mm-hmm. and maybe a, a stray cat. <laughs> but, but, uh, I would I would always be worried about these things, you know, and then I learned later that yeah, that I was all like again, like I was saying before, I came into this life with a past life memory of something like a bear, 
I get I get had a testimonial on it and it helped a lot. You know, the testimonial meaning I I talked to some folks at, at our class here, you know, stood up and said I, I, I learned something about myself. I just you know, I learned from the past that I was being chased by a bear at night in, in the woods. And uh now the woods turned me into that when I got near it at night. So uh, Wow. That, so that so that fear would would you know, it's a strong fear. So now that would bring in other entities that may have had the same thing happen to them. So, so what's what's happening is you know, your fear is being amplified. Is really what's happening. And so, then also, uh, yeah. in addition, there are um, you know you hear people who go into a blackout rage. That's what they call it, and they mm-hmm. may have killed somebody, but they don't remember it. Right. Well, most likely, some murderer who has not moved on and is hanging around the earth plane has used their body to kill somebody. And as a mental health therapist, I work with some patients and sometimes um, they tell you they hear voices or they see things. And with some people, the voices are called command voices where the voices are telling them to hurt somebody or to kill themselves. And in that situation, um, because of the patient is, is uh, out of balance, not not fully integrated um, mentally, and so these beings um, are whispering in his ear. Now, the most clinical people will call that a hallucination, but it's not really a hallucination. It's a real person who doesn't have a physical form, who is talking to that person's mind and the person is hearing it. Or maybe they could even be just voicing it to them and they're hearing it. Wow, this is definitely a multi-parter because uh, we're approaching the end of our journey uh, together tonight. Um, and I want to continue this conversation with uh, both of you, uh, but let's end it on a positive note. Uh, Unarius yes. is right there on the forefront uh, teaching positivity and a progressive uh, future for humanity and providing uh, techniques to raise one's awareness and to uh, address issues like this. So how can people uh, tap into Unarius and all the wonderful things it offers? Okay. Uh, well, coming up. Well, one last thing. Oh, oh sorry. Well, go ahead. One last thing I wanted to say is, you know, when you, say, when you talk about positive, the best way to protect yourself from a session is just a positive consciousness. You know, that's the opposite of fear and anger, isn't it? So, uh, Whatever makes you positive, you know, some attunement to a beautiful thing, a happy thought, you know, basically change the, the frequency, change the, the radio station you're tuning your consciousness into. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that you can use to, to, to check us out is uh, we have a website, and it's unarius, U-N-A-R-I-U-S dot org. If you want to learn more about obsessions, there's a PDF on uh, of a short article on the website under the free resources. Uh, the free resources link, and it's at the end of, of the uh, listing. Uh, the other thing we, we have going on is on October 12th and 13th, we're having a, a an annual <coughs> conclave of light celebration, and that's going to be live streamed. So we can you can see that uh, on our Unarius Facebook page or under the events at our our website, you know, the Unarius dot org thing. And then uh, about Facebook, we have a a lot of the uh, Oh, I'm sorry, YouTube, Unarius 33 channel. We have a lot of videos on there. And, uh, yeah, uh, or give us a call. 
Yeah, so and that conclave of, of light is an interplanetary conclave of light. It's the 36th annual celebration that Unarius has uh, had, and it's a really beautiful, uplifting weekend. If you can't attend in person, you can watch it streaming live on uh, unarius.org uh, or through Facebook as well. And it's a beautiful, light-filled, love-filled, um, unifying experience. And um, uh, Jack, are they going to be doing a past life therapy workshop? On the 13th. On the 13th, yes. And that will be streamed. Okay. So you can you can and watch that and you can participate yourself and uh, do a past life therapy workshop and it's really a beautiful experience. Uh, I do recommend it. It sounds like it, and I will uh, promote it on uh, uh, my Facebook page. Uh, thank you once again to both of you. Uh, I wish you were coming to the past uh, the Life Expo in uh, New York so I could see you. Uh, and, oh but yeah, that would have been nice. Yes, and opportunities for coming to California are popping up in my life. So hopefully uh, that will connect and I could uh, visit El Cajon, which is on, on my bucket list. <laughs> so I'd right. really like to do that. Uh, thank you, you once like, again. Please give my regards to all my fellow Unarians, and I look forward to the next time when we speak. And I do thank as you, well. Thank you so much. It, but... And to all who've joined us uh, from home, thank you for joining us. Uh, until next time, this is all of us wishing you joyous journeys and amazing adventures. Olympian blessings to all who have joined us on our adventure. Now, go forth and create a better world, one filled with light and love. On behalf of the pride of Olympus and her crew, may your journeys be joyous.